Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Activate, a podcast designed to challenge you to make faith active in your life. I'm Brandon Reeb, and we're excited you're hanging out with us again today. I'm joined by Pastor Christian Newsom of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. And today we're going to be having a conversation about a new series, the first message of a new series entitled Famous Last Words. But before we jump into that, Christian, let's start today's podcast with a question from one of our listeners. We just wrapped up our Better Together series, The Secrets of a Great Marriage. So so a listener writes, I imagine there are people listening that are in broken or hurting marriages. They know about Jesus, but they haven't accepted him as the guiding force in their lives. They trust your words. They believe that accepting Jesus into their hearts could help or even be the true answer. But how do they do that? Where do they start? So, Brandon, that's a that's a great question, and I'm actually really glad it was asked, uh, because this is something we give the people of our church a chance to do often at church on Sundays, but we've never done it on this podcast. Uh, and I hope there are people listening who aren't Christians. So, if you're not a Christian... If you haven't committed to follow Jesus yet, that is your first spiritual step. I mean, before all the truth, it is that connection to Jesus. And it's a simple step. Uh, We tell our kids it's as easy as A, B, C, A. Admit that you need Jesus. Admit that your life is broken without him. Admit that you've fallen short of his standard and direction for your life. That's what the Bible calls sin. And ask him to forgive you. B, believe that Jesus loves you that he lived for you, that he died for you, that he rose from the grave for you so that he would be worthy for you to follow him and so that he could one day give you life after death just like he experienced for himself. And then see, confess those things in prayer by telling God what I've just said and by committing your life and future to be under his leadership from this point forward. Uh, you can you can get on your knees wherever you're listening to this podcast and tell God those things. You can tell God as you're driving down the road right now. Don't close your eyes. Um, you can just pray and talk to God right now. Um, he is listening. And then if you do that, or if you want to do that but want some more information, go to our website, takethejourney.cc. Click on the Next Steps tab, one of the links just simply says Jesus. That link has some great information on making this decision and some great resources for what you do after making this decision. Thank you, Christian. Thank you for making that so simplistic. I hope you were taking notes as you listened to that because that's a real easy way to to lead someone that you may not know or that you know that's not a follower of Jesus Christ. ABC. If you know your ABCs, you can talk to someone about Jesus. That's right. That's right. Well, Christian, let's jump into your message. Um, that you preached this weekend in the first series, or the series. It's a fantastic message. So you started your message with a great illustration of time travel. You you mentioned that if you could travel back in time to spend three days anywhere, you would go back to the final 72 hours of Jesus's life. Why is this moment in time important for you, Christian? Well, C.S. Lewis, who's, you know, one of the great Christian thinkers, yeah, um, of the last few hundred years, famously stated that Jesus Christ is either he's either Lord or a lunatic, all based on his ability to prove he was God by raising from the dead. If Jesus really did raise from the dead, proving that he's God, then he has to be Lord of all, <clears throat> not just Lord of a little. If he didn't raise from the dead, then he isn't Lord of either anything. Uh, he was either a liar or a lunatic if he didn't raise from the dead because he promised that he was going to do that. So for me, Everything in my life, my past, my future, and my eternity is based on the fact that Jesus proved 
that he was God by dying, being buried, and raising from the dead. If he did that, and I believe that he did based on the eyewitness first century written history in both religious and secular history, then then he has all of me. Uh, I'm all in if that really happened because I trust and will follow somebody who has proven to be God by raising from the dead. From my tithe to my trust, if Jesus rose from the dead, I'll follow him completely to the best of my ability. Good, good. So for the next several weeks, we'll, begin, we'll, we'll be taking a closer look um, at Jesus's final statements from the cross. Uh, today's statement was Jesus's first statement, looking at the Roman soldiers who were crucifying him, the prideful Jewish leaders who were condemning him. And to many of the spectators, Jesus made this bold statement. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not or for they do not know what they are doing. Christian, in Jesus's day, his purpose for coming to the earth wasn't clearly understood by everyone. Now, you and I have had the opportunity to go to Israel. It was an amazing trip and, and t- to many other places around the world. And the purpose of, and the mission of Jesus still isn't widely understood. Why, why is that? Well, I don't know that I can answer that for all cultures, all people and all times, but from the biblical culture to, to modern-day Israel, um, you know, the entire Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament, really focused on two things, if, if you read it. Uh, one, it focused on an elaborate system of worship and sacrifice at the temple that allowed the people to live in connection to God. Uh, secondly, it focused on the kingdom of God coming to earth and eventually having modern-day Israel as its global capital and the Jewish Messiah or the Savior as its king. And somewhere along the way in the Old Testament, Hebrew Bible, uh, the nation of Israel began to long more for the political and global power of a nation than they did for the true meaning of the worship and sacrifices and their understanding of what it meant to be connected to God. Um, so they turned the worship and sacrifices into religion, into religious practices, and they focused more on how they saw God through their nation's political state. So in Jesus' day, um, a lot of the Jewish leaders weren't looking for a savior who would fulfill all the worship and sacrificial requirements that would allow humanity to connect to God, even though the Hebrew Bible promised that this would happen before the kingdom of God would be established. And today the same thing is true. We spend time in Israel, which we love. We see thousands of very spiritually minded Jewish people praying at the wall, engaged in all kinds of religious activity, um, but they're still waiting for a savior to establish a political kingdom of God on earth through Israel when that is already attainable inside their hearts through Jesus. So his kingdom began inside the hearts of those who understood that they could have peace with God and live in close proximity to God because Jesus was greater than the Jewish temple and the sacrifice of his life forgave all sin for all time. And this was the offer of forgiveness that he spoke about from the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing, but I do. And when they figure it out, I want them to have the opportunity to be forgiven. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. So in your message, you went uh, over the ministry calling of, of Matthew and, and highlighted how Matthew and his friends were drawn to Jesus because he could forgive sins. So, so often in American Christianity, it seems people are drawn to Jesus because of heaven. But at the same time, they are slightly offended by the thought that they are 
sinners and that they need to be forgiven and cleansed. Have you ever gotten that sense in ministry over your years? Sure, Brian. I get it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I get it all the Every time I say you're a sinner, I mean, looking at you across this table and saying you're a sinner, it just sounds offensive. It's it not does. a very nice I thing. I didn't like it that you to, said that. To say, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't feel good to say, doesn't feel good to hear. But I love the story of Matthew because Matthew shows us kind of deep down, people probably know they're sinners. And when someone says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of forgive that. Uh, I'm gonna overlook that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure you don't have to pay for the consequences of that." Um, they're willing to follow that. So, how, do I get the sense in ministry that people sometimes get offended if they're sinners? Absolutely. Uh, I said in my message Sunday, nobody likes to think of themselves as a sinner. And compared to what we think of bad people, you know, sinful in air quotes, sinful um, people like the terrorist like murders, um, like criminals, like the white-collar Ponzi schemes. I mean, all the garbage that we have in our world, we probably aren't that sinful, hopefully. If we are, stay away from my house. However, <laughs> right, this isn't the gauge that Jesus uses. Jesus says a sinner is anyone who hasn't met the perfection of God. So have you ever told a little lie? Have you ever showed up a minute late? Have you ever swung and missed or missed a shot? Have you ever gotten anything less than 100% on a test? Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? Are you less than perfect? If that is the standard, then we all agree, yes, we're, we're sinful. And if that is the standard, then yes, we need forgiveness. And here's what's strange, Brandon. The more people grow spiritually, the more sinful they actually believe that they are. The Apostle Paul in his ministry, right? He wrote for a period of, you know, of decades. And the first time that he introduced himself to a crowd through his writing in the book of Galatians, he said that, that he was Paul and he was least of the apostles. Now, there were only 12 of those. So what Paul was saying in that statement is, listen, you know, my name's Paul and I am the least of the apostles. However, when it comes to global Christianity, I'm 13. Like, I'm pretty far up there. He thought a lot of himself. Later, he would write as he matured in his faith, and he said, I, I'm Paul, but as he understood who he was spiritually, he said, I feel like the least of the saints. Like, you know, I'm Paul, but when I think of every other follower of Jesus in the world, I mean, I think I probably had to start at the worst place. However, I'm still better than all the people who aren't Christians. So he's dropped from 13th on the list of Christians to last on the list of Christians, but still before everyone who's not a Christian. And then in his final books to Timothy, a young guy he was mentoring, he said, you know, my name is Paul, and he said, I am the worst of sinners. As Paul matured and understood Jesus more, he saw himself in a worse and worse spiritual light. The more he understood who Jesus was, the more he understood how far he had to go. And, and Brandon, the more we learn the beauty and grace and mercy and love of Jesus, the more our good stuff fades further and further from his perfection, and the more grateful we become for his grace. Like Paul, we think, boy, if anyone deserves to be separated from God forever, it's probably me when I understand God's standards. But boy, he, he poured his grace and mercy out on me, so, that, so that's not the case. So yeah, no one likes to be called a sinner, but by the standard that Jesus uses, we all are. Wow, that was great. Yeah, very good. 
So Christian, one thing I admire about you, especially from the stage when you preach, you are so inviting to everyone in the auditorium, including and oftentimes especially to those who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You mentioned this week, if you are here today and you're not a Christian because you feel like a sinner, guess what? You're actually a first-round draft pick spiritually. Jesus' entire purpose was to come and find you. I love that statement from your message. Do you think there are people who aren't Christians? Or do you think people who aren't Christians really, truly believe that? So, <clears throat> so Brandon, my little girl Casey's a tough kid. Um, she's actually broken two bones in her life. She broke her leg when she was really little. Christian fell on her. Um, and she, she broke her elbow because she didn't let go of monkey bars and she twisted it and chipped a bone in her elbow and she was maybe in kindergarten or preschool. And both times Danielle and I didn't know for almost two days. I mean, she's so tough that it was, it was clear she was uncomfortable, but she wasn't in this unbearable pain outwardly. So we didn't rush to the emergency room. However, after just watching her carefully, we could tell something was wrong. So we took her in, they took x-rays, and sure enough, she had broken bones. I'll never forget the doctor telling us the second time, just because somebody doesn't appear to be in extreme pain outwardly doesn't mean there isn't something broken on the inside that they aren't aware of. You ask me, do I think people who aren't Christians believe that they're broken and that Jesus loves them? Listen, from the outside... I don't know that I'd say that people far from God appear to be desperately searching for Jesus and highly aware that something's broken inside of them. However, I do believe that on the inside they're aware and that they feel their brokenness more than they show. And I'm not sure whether they believe that they are Jesus' purpose and that they're a first-round draft pick, but I'm sure they'd want to know that if somebody would tell them. And I'm sure they'd want the chance to believe it if they could only hear it, which is why it's so crucial for our church to bring their friends who don't know Jesus to church, especially on Easter, when I think most people who don't go to church are willing to go if somebody will invite them. So, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you live in Kansas City, bring someone to church with you who needs to know Jesus. They need to know how important they are to him. If you're listening someplace else in the United States or around the world, invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus to go to your church with you this Sunday or Easter Sunday, because I think even though people don't show it on the outside, they're hurting on the inside more than we could ever know. And they need to know that Jesus loves them and has chosen them. That was a great challenge. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Again, last question today. Uh, Jesus' first statement on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing, teaches us that ignorance does not equal innocence. Hebrews 9.27 states, It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, judgment. Clearly, everyone believes in death, Christian, right? But do you think there are people out there, or do you think that people believe in this judgment? Talk about that for just a moment. Well, yeah, do I think everyone believes in death? I do. I, I don't know one person yet who thinks they're going to beat it, right, who's, who's figured out the answer for that one. We try it. Right. Um, do I think people believe in judgment, and do I think people are ready for judgment? I actually think that most people do believe there is judgment after death. And I think most look forward to it for people that they think deserve to be judged. Um, I mean, don't you think Americans who live through 9-11 think Osama bin Laden will be judged and ought to be judged? Oh, yeah. I mean, don't you think that a generation of America that lived through World War II believes that Hitler, Hitler will be judged and deserves to be judged? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think we not only believe in judgment, 
We look forward to it, but only for others. Um, the thing that happens when we clearly understand the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of who Jesus is and the good things he did for the bad characters that we find ourselves to be compared to him. The thing that happens when we understand that is that all of the sudden we believe in judgment after death, but we believe in a judgment for us. That judgment is based on our lives compared to the perfection of God, and we fail that test. We fail the test in the same way that Osama bin Laden and Hitler fail it, because there aren't letter grades. It's pass or fail. Are you perfect? Pass or fail. Well, I'm better than him. That's not the question. Are you perfect? Pass or fail. Perfection or less than perfection. That is the standard. That's God's standard. And when we realize that we fail, our only hope is Jesus. And when we get to that point, something clicks. This is the point. The point where judgment meets Jesus. That's the point where grace finally is truly understood. And our hearts begin to soften. And we begin to follow Jesus with a level of gratitude and commitment that we've never experienced before. But it all begins with this statement from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't even, they don't know the standard is perfection, pass or fail. They don't even realize how far they are from God's perfection. They don't even get it yet. But one day they will, so forgive them, because they don't even know what they're doing. But when they find that out, when judgment meets Jesus, and grace begins to win. Life begins to change. I'm so grateful Jesus said that. I'm so grateful Jesus meant that. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is willing to do that for me. Because Brandon, I fail the test. If the test is perfection, pass or fail, I fail. And the more I learn about perfection, the more I realize how much I have failed, and the more grateful I am for the forgiveness of Jesus. Christian, thank you, bud. I'm really looking forward to the remainder of this series, Counting Down to Easter Sunday. It's going to be very powerful. And thank you guys for listening today. We pray that our conversation uh, that took place makes your conversations this week a little easier and more impactful. So please take a moment this week to rate and review us on iTunes and share with all of your closest friends. This really helps us get the word out about this incredible resource in the Activate podcast. So we'll catch you next time where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast. 